Hey, this is Thomas Q. Jones, former UVA All-American running back, and you're listening to The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Wahoo! Welcome to the podcast. I'm Chris Graham. This is The Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Jerry, it's been a couple of weeks since we talked. Hope things are going well for you. Yeah, things are going well, Chris. Hope they are for you as, as well. Yeah, indeed. Hey, there's a lot we got to catch up on here, and a lot in the realm of UVA football. Um, where do you want to start here? Just a lot of activity on the recruiting trail, particularly as uh, Coach Tony Elliott and his staff have been very busy uh, adding uh, recruits to the class of 2023. Yeah, they have uh, eight commitments here in the month of June after their evaluation football camps, uh, all that sort of stuff that they've been hosting. And um Lo and behold, Chris, four of them are from the state of Virginia, which is more than some entire recruiting classes by Bronco Men and all. I'm not sure they ever had four from the state of Virginia in any of his six recruiting classes. I had to go back and look, but I don't recall that they ever had four. Uh, so obviously they're making some inroads in the state, which we kind of felt like that they might because they – Certainly, I've made that a point of emphasis and uh, trying to get back down into the 757. I'm not sure that any of these kids are from that area, but uh, I know that they have been focusing on that area. So who, who do you want to start with uh, as far as the in-state recruits? I know we have some out-of-state recruits, too, including one uh, we can call um, legacy recruit. Uh, Terry Kirby's son is Takai is uh, coming in as a tight end. And when I say legacy recruit, I don't mean he didn't earn a scholarship. He's a guy that a lot of folks wanted. But where do you want to start with the Virginia, the, the in-state kids? Well, this guy is sort of an in-state kid. He, he's actually from New Jersey, but he attends Woodbury Forest. Mm -hmm. And that's defensive lineman likely a tackle. Rodney Laura, L-O-R-A, uh, a three-star, 6'4", 265. And uh, his list of offers were fairly impressive with uh, Michigan, Carolina, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Texas Tech, Lake Forest, West Virginia, Boston College, Indiana. Uh, had 17 off offers overall. Virginia wisely was the first power five school to offer him back in late March. And he's, uh, according to rivals, he's a number 20 uh, recruit inside the state of Virginia and 247 composite number 17 in the state of Virginia. So um, he played uh, for Jackson Mateo, the former UVA player and uh graduate assistant coach who's now the head coach at Woodbury Forest. And uh, so this kid uh, has been solid for the Tigers. He, um, he had an official visit to Michigan. And to uh, I think he visited Carolina the same day that he committed to Virginia. So it's a big, uh, big, strong kid. Uh, he was number one in the state in shot put and discus, I think. So he's a, he's a good athlete and uh, sounds like a good addition to the family, pretty much. And one more defensive lineman from Virginia, uh, Miles Green from Highland Springs. Yeah, I'm trying to find my notes on him. Uh, I've got so many notes here. From <laughs> it may take me a while to find it. Um, it's here somewhere. He's a 6'3", 240-pounder. I like when you said, too, about um, Rodney Laura. He's projecting. He's already he's already 265, 270. Um, that's easy to guess. He's going to be a, a, eating up space in the middle of the line there. Um, yeah, Miles Green, uh, like you said, another defensive lineman. He's, uh, all of Virginia's commitments so far are three stars. Um, I think it's key that they got him because he's from that Highland Springs program, which has been – so successful in recent years down in the Richmond area. And uh, he comes from a good bloodline in terms of football. His uh, younger brother, Mike, uh, not young, he's the younger brother to Mike and Malcolm Green. Um, Malcolm is a junior corner at Clemson. So they're very familiar 
Elliot is very familiar with the Green family. And uh, another brother, Mike, was uh, All-American at JMU and uh, signed in May as a free agent with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So some, uh, some good bloodline, football bloodline in that family. He, uh, Highland Springs, of course, was the uh, class 5A, made it to the state semifinals this year. And he had uh, 56 tackles overall, 30 solo, nine tackles for loss, five sacks, and two passes broken up. He chose Virginia over Virginia Tech and West Virginia and Maryland, uh, among others. And uh, number 27 overall prospect in the state of Virginia by 247. So they got two top 30 defensive linemen from the state. Both uh, offered by some fairly significant uh, football programs. The other two Virginia kids, at least to this stage, uh, I'll, I'll let you gather the notes on Dante Hawthorne. He's a running back, six feet, 200 pounds from Stafford, plays high school at Colonial Forge. And then uh, from Noakesville, Cole Serber, offensive lineman, 6'6", 280 from Patriot High School. Yeah, uh, I know Serber, I think, was the first guy that committed uh, go back through the notes. Too many pages. <laughs> I didn't break them up between football and basketball. That's my problem. Donnie, Dante Hawthorne uh, from Massaponics High School. Uh, not rated in the state of Virginia by any of the recruiting services, but uh, he did visit Virginia Tech and was offered uh, in early April. He uh, was actually a quarterback at Massaponics uh, where he passed for 350 yards, two touchdowns. Um, and he rushed uh, for over 1,000 yards, 6.8 yards per carry and 22 touchdowns. So sounds more like a, a running quarterback, uh, which I guess Virginia felt like he's be more valuable as a running back. And so apparently he is transferring to Colonial Forge High School and transfer where he will play running back his senior year. So I imagine he will uh, he will be uh, – his numbers, uh, stars and all that stuff will probably go up uh, once he moves into his natural position. Uh, Serber, I, I think, might be in another notebook. I don't have him here because since he uh, committed so early. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's in another notebook that I don't have at my disposal at the moment. But he was a big dude. I remember that. And uh, he, I think he's been trying to help them recruit some other kids uh, since he came on board. Uh, they also have a – Kid from Alabama that I think is kind of intriguing. Um, Daniel Sparks, 6'6, 200 uh, from Gadsden. Um, he actually, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm wrong. This is that's a punter that they got. Uh, he trans he's a transfer portal guy from uh, Minnesota. He's from Gadsden, Alabama, and averaged. Uh, 44.6 yards per punt as a uh, punter for Louisiana Monroe in 2020. And then he transferred to Minnesota where he was their backup punter last year and uh, didn't play. So I think he got beat out in their spring practices and decided to transfer. Uh, so it gives Virginia a guy with some experience back there and a little depth at the punter, punter position. Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn. The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965, with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's big-time steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat-screen televisions tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn, where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com 
or call 434-296-4630. Yeah, that's important. You got to have you have you have to have bodies at those at those positions just to create competition in camp if nothing else. Uh, and that's very helpful. What do you know about Terry Kirby's son? And I hope I'm pronouncing his first name right, Takai or Tikai? I was wondering that myself. I'm okay. hoping to talk to them sometime this week. Um, uh, I know that he came up for camp, and uh, they liked him. Uh, he's a three-star from one of the premier programs in South Florida, St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, where there's two uh, – kids already in the program from there, Blake Steen and Dawson Alters. Uh, I think Alter, I think they both committed to uh, Bronco last in the last recruiting class. Um, you know, he, uh, he's 6'3", 210, which is kind of small for a tight end, so I wonder if they may try to put him in a different position once he gets here. If, if he's Terry Kirby's son, I imagine he has pretty good speed. Uh, he's ranked the 69th tight end in the nation by 247 Sports, which is pretty good considering that he got very limited snaps at St. Thomas last season because he played behind uh, a guy who signed with LSU, uh, who I imagine got the bulk of their playing time. But I know that he did uh, – get some snaps late in the season, had two receptions for 17 yards and a touchdown in one game uh, for St. Thomas, who just came off their third straight uh, state championship in the uh, 7A division. I'm not sure uh, what classification that is in Florida. But he attended Virginia camp, uh, I guess, two weeks ago and. uh and then uh, committed last week, uh, pretty much as soon as they offered. So I'm sure they, they liked what they saw, and uh, he's very excited, and Terry's very excited about him coming here, uh, obviously, where his dad was a star running back and the number one uh, offensive high school player in the nation his senior year down at Tab High School when he and Chris Slade were teammates and obviously went on to become teammates here. Um, that's about all I know about him at, at this point in time. We hope to uh, have him and Terry either on a podcast or on an interview sometime this week. Uh, but uh, uh, it's always nice to have a, a guy like that back in the program that can help you relink to the glory days of Virginia football. You mentioned the size, maybe not being tight end size, but the athleticism you'd expect out of a with the last name Kirby being Terry Kirby's son. You have to wonder maybe that he gets on grounds and and maybe plays. Uh, he you know six three might be a little big for running back, but perhaps receiver, perhaps linebacker. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of ways for a guy with with that size uh, and athleticism to to fit in. Uh, depending on just where he feels the best and also where the coaching staff feels he can contribute the best. Yeah, you know, he, he could become some kind of a hybrid player as well, you know, line up in the, in the backfield and shift out in, into uh, one of the receiver positions or mm-hmm. maybe even as a tight end, who knows. That's right. But, uh, yeah, it should be interesting to follow his career for sure. Um, had a couple of kids that committed uh, – Yesterday, uh, both from out of state, and uh, you look at some of the schools that offered them, and on, on paper that may not be that impressive, but you got to remember that some of Tony Elliott's assistant coaches came from Army, Navy, and Air Force, and those guys have a keen eye for finding players who might be a little bit off the radar of the power five schools, but who turned out to be outstanding college players. And uh, these kids could be, fit in that category. I don't know. But uh, one of them is a running back from Maryville, Tennessee, which is right outside Knoxville. Noah Vaughn, 5'9", 185 pounds. Uh, had 16 offers, uh, not so ironically, from Army and Navy. <laughs> Uh, Appalachian State, Coastal Carolina, Tulane, uh, some Ivy League schools. 
He had uh, 2,400 all-purpose yards last year as a junior, 1,600 rushing, 22 touchdowns, or almost nine yards per carry, uh, 320 yards receiving. He actually averaged 40 yards per punt return, so there might be something there that we're not totally aware of. He's ranked the number 57 overall recruit in the state of Tennessee. Uh, then Keandre Walker is a 6'3", 180-pound defensive back from East Lincoln High School in North Carolina. Uh, again, Air Force and Army offered him. Uh, JMU, Furman, Ohio, Mi Miami of Ohio. Uh, he was offered by Virginia on Monday and immediately accepted. He's ranked uh, 121 in the state of North Carolina by Max Preps. He's not rated by 247, our rivals are on three at this point. Uh, he had 20 receptions last year for 326 yards and four touchdowns on offense. Defensively, he had five interceptions, eight passes broken up. And apparently Virginia sees him as a big boundary defender, which uh, 6'3", that's pretty good size and uh, could be exactly what fits into John Rudzinski's defensive scheme. Yeah, big physical cornerback type there. Uh, can cover up, but also maybe provide support in the run game as well. Um, yeah. Wide receiver from Alabama, Amari Thomas. Um, I'm looking at it among his offers, Penn State, uh, South Florida, uh, so and Coastal Carolina, which, you know, I, there might be some people listening out there. I know I got an email from somebody saying, oh, we're offering all these guys who are getting offers from Coastal Carolina. They've had some success recent years, and we might find out this November how good that Coastal Carolina program is. But anyway, Amari Thomas um, uh, could be a, a, an intriguing guy at wide receiver for the Cavaliers. Yeah, I can't find my – I think his notes are in the same uh, notepad as the <laughs> as the super kid. But uh, I do remember that he is coached by a former Auburn starting wide receiver uh, who's been in that program in Alabama – I think it's Pinson Valley, if I recall. That's right. Um, for six or seven years, and it became a head coach this past season and has gained a reputation for developing wide receivers. Um, and we know what Virginia's reputation is for developing wide receivers under Marcus Higgins. Uh, he's found a lot of uh, diamonds in the rough and turned them into stars, a la Lavelle Davis, uh, who apparently – Clemson overlooked and South Carolina overlooked and a lot of other schools did right in his home state and uh, turned out to be one of the top receivers in the country as a freshman two years ago. So uh, we're guessing that, uh, that this kid has unlimited potential and uh, particularly under Hagen's watchful eye and uh, should be just another guy that uh, – it should pop up on the radar as soon as he gets here. I wanted to go to the – you mentioned the punter coming in from the transfer portal. Also, um, a, a big signing uh, on the transfer portal for the offensive line, which we know needs needs some numbers, um, a transfer from Lehigh, Andrew Canellis, a 6'9", 315-pound tackle. Um, now, folks might, again, hear Lehigh and say, what are we getting from Lehigh? He also had offers come out of high school from the likes of Carolina, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, NC State. So, uh, and and this kid's got some. He's got he's got four years of eligibility remaining, and he's he's six nine three fifteen. You can't teach that. <laughs> exactly, and he uh, I think he was a three star in high school. Yeah, uh, yeah. But um, yeah, I asked around a little bit about him. We're still not sure if he's scholarship or walk on. Okay, uh, I would. You would think he's scholarship, but we haven't gotten that confirmed yet. Uh, I asked, I did a little probing, and I, not too deeply, but I said, you know, if a kid was offered by these Power Five schools, why in the heck did he go to Lehigh? And uh, I was told that he was given some really bad advice. <laughs> that might be an understatement. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, again, he did not play a down at Lehigh last season, so I, we don't know if that was what that was due to, if it was football related or off the field related. Uh, 
just don't know at this point, but it sounds like that he at least uh, has some potential to help uh, contribute to this offensive line. And uh, certainly it, it can use all the depth that they can get right now because heading into the fall, uh, they don't have a lot of experienced starters and uh, at least not returning from within the Virginia program. Um, and some of the guys that do have experience starting are coming from uh, F FCS teams or F yeah FCS teams. So um, I'm sure they're welcoming anybody with that kind of size and, and uh, potential at this point. Uh, before we get into some basketball recruiting news, I wanted to talk about the news of today. We're recording this podcast on Tuesday, June 28th. Um, from the ACC, um, we talked about this a few weeks ago, Jerry, when it was first proposed at the spring meetings, but the ACC voting today to end divisional play after this coming season, the 2022 season, and uh, it'll become a one-division, essentially 14-team conference, and uh, the three-five-five scheduling model, UVA has been assigned primary scheduling partners. You'll play those three teams every year. You'll play the other 10 teams rotating five each year. Um, uh, that's the basics of it. Um, what, what, uh, what more can you offer, uh, on this, this new scheduling model, Jerry? Yeah, I, I was, uh, I was on a uh, podcast with, uh, out in Knoxville uh, earlier today. Um, that should be linked up on our, uh, website tomorrow i think he's publishing this one tomorrow but uh he was curious being from knoxville uh why louisville was one of virginia's three permanent partners and that's i think that's a very good question yeah yeah uh, all virginia fans obviously know that the reason uh, the louisville was virginia's one of their two permanent partners in the current structure uh, was that they replaced Maryland when Maryland took the money grab and jumped to the Big Ten. So somebody had to be Virginia's second permanent partner other than Virginia Tech. And um, it was Louisville uh, who's, again, replaced Maryland. Uh, it made sense basketball-wise because it turned into uh, a good series of games, a lot of close games, even though it was very lopsided in Virginia's favor. Uh, I'm sure Louisville people would probably like to get out of that arrangement. <laughs> I think they've only won one game against Virginia since they joined the ACC, but uh, at least in a regular season. And, uh, you know, it didn't make sense in football, and it still doesn't make sense in football. The, the ACC was hell-bent on keeping Louisville as a partner. Um, somebody said that uh, – the previous administration, when Craig Littlepage was there, that uh, Virginia Tech wanted to switch permanent partners with Virginia. They would take Louisville and Virginia would take Boston College. And uh, I don't know the inner workings of that, but uh, I, I think that was a wise decision for Virginia to shoot that down. Because if anybody has less in common with Virginia than Louisville, it would be Boston College. But uh, which would not excite anybody to have them as a permanent partner. But anyway, um, they, uh, the ACC wanted Virginia and Louisville, and they got it. Uh, I thought it would have made more sense to have someone like Georgia Tech, who Virginia has a, a pretty strong rivalry tradition with, with so many close games. Uh, the rivalry is pretty even, if I recall. Um, even in points, somewhat uh, or used to be somewhat like Virginia or uh, North Carolina and Duke in terms of games won, lost, and points scored. Um, and of course, we go back to that great game in '90 that was memorable uh, for all the wrong reasons. If you're a Virginia fan, but still uh, one hell of a football game, one well, maybe the best live game I've ever seen or covered. And uh, so you know. I have problems with that. I, I think Georgia Tech would have been a much more sensible and reasonable permanent partner. 
I don't know how Georgia Tech felt about that. I would think they would feel the same because their uh, their permanent partners are Clemson, which makes sense, Wake Forest, which not so sure about, and Louisville. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, I would have think uh, Virginia and Georgia Tech would have much rather played each other than to have to have Louisville as a common uh, permanent partner. But uh, my thoughts on the uh, doing away with the Coastal and the Lang Division and going to a 14-team straight-up conference is I don't like it. Uh, I, I know Carla Williams said what's, said what's good for the ACC is good for Virginia. I, I have to beg to disagree with her on that. I, I don't think it is good for Virginia. Um, I think it's good for the ACC because they have a better chance of getting two teams – in the college football playoffs by taking the top two overall teams rather than the two division champions, because one division might be having a a down year and not have a team worthy of consideration for a playoff where if it's uh, the runner up in the other division might be much stronger and have a chance to make the playoffs, particularly if they expand the playoffs. Um, I think they just made Tony Elliott's job more challenging because it's a lot easier, I think, to win a division against six other teams than to finish second in the ACC above 12 other teams. Uh, Virginia hasn't won the ACC but twice, once in 1989, once in 1995, sharing those titles with Duke under Steve Spurrier and Florida State with Bobby Bowden during their reign of terror. Um, They did win the Coastal Division in 2019, we know, in a a close battle with other teams. And they've been in contention for the Coastal Division title numerous times, Chris. They could have been in the ACC championship game several times, which would have looked good on their resume and, and probably put them in pretty decent bowl games, like it did that year in the Orange Bowl. Um, under the new structure, uh, it's going to be tough to finish in the top two in the ACC. I know Tony Elliott has designs on that, and it wouldn't be worth his salt if he didn't. But uh, having that desire and, and getting it done is, is different, and it's, it's quite a challenge. Um, it's not like the rest of the ACC sitting still and not trying to do the same thing. But I think for any team that's not – uh, considered a, a somewhat of a, a powerhouse, uh, at least within the conference, and has a history, a recent history of that. Uh, it's going to be tough for those teams to finish in the top two of the league. How do you feel about this? UVA Orthopedics and Sports Medicine boast one of the finest teams of doctors in the country, and they're right here in Charlottesville to not only provide care for the University of Virginia athletic teams, but also the Charlottesville and Central Virginia communities. UVA Orthopedics has been a proud sponsor of the Jerry Ratcliffe Show for the past two years, with numerous team members featured in weekly segments where doctors share great insight into various sports injuries, what causes them, how to treat them, and recovery time. Their team of experts are there for you and offer the best care to solve your health problems and get you back on your feet. Let their team of specialists get you back in the game. Uh, very similar. I, I did some some numbers crunching today. and uh, Five of the last seven years, uh, the ACC's had two teams finish with either zero or one conference loss. Virginia's only had... Uh, three seasons in its history with just one ACC loss. And one of those you got to put an asterisk by 84, three wins, one loss, two ties. Um, you mentioned 89, they were six and one, 95, seven and one. Um, so, I mean, it, it's pretty much the standard's going to be there's going to be either two seven and one teams in this game or one eight and no and one seven and one, or maybe even two eight no teams in this game. Who knows? Um, based on the fact that the schedule doesn't have everybody playing everybody. But Virginia is is I mean, you know we snuck our way in. Virginia snuck its way in in, in 2019 with a six and two record. I, I don't see why you couldn't still keep the divisions even without 
uh, even without the, the the balanced schedule where the current divisional alignment has you play in the other six teams and you play a couple teams from the other division. Because right now you're having a 14 team one division where everybody's playing a different schedule. So, you know, that it's not like it's any more or less fair to do that versus having just, you know, two divisions and then have a champion there. I think from the standpoint of if you're anybody but Clemson in this league right now, you've got to look at this and say, especially the coastal teams, the coastal programs, the athletics directors from the coastal programs have to look at this and say, why did we sign away our right to have one of us go to Charlotte? Because at this stage, you, that's what you've done. Um, I think we can presume that the college football playoff is going to expand. It's going to go to at least eight, probably 12. And if that's the case, if it goes to 12, especially, I think you're going to see that the power five conferences are going to have an automatic bid. You're going to have your champion be automatically in, and then it'll be seven at large teams. Um, Why not have it where everyone literally has a chance when the season starts in late August or early September to, to be in that game which is your conference championship game. And if you win that game, then you're in the playoff. And then you have another team in. If you're Virginia, if you're Duke, if you're Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech hasn't been in the ACC championship game since 2016, uh, the first year under Justin Fuente. Now they've gotten rid of him and got a new coach. Um, if, you're, if you're anybody on the, the coastal side of the equation, your, your way to the playoff look like it could have been win your division, go over and beat Clemson, you know, I'm assuming Clemson's, you know, going to get back to be what Clemson has been for the last several years. And then you get that automatic bid into a 12-team playoff when, when, it, when it does expand in a couple of years. Um, Carla signed that right away. Other The other ADs in the Coastal signed that right away. I, don't, I, I cannot fathom for the life of me, if you want a balanced schedule, if you want this 3-5-5, that's fine. But if you're going to do it, still maintain the division aspect so that there's there's something to play for as far as that goes. Yeah, I think Jim Phillips did a, a good selling job, the new ACC commissioner on the ADs and the, the uh, academic advisors or uh, athletic advisory board or whatever they're called. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think I think he's more consumed with keeping up with the Joneses than he is anything else. And uh, – the SEC, the Big Ten, dominate financially. Uh, the ACC is a little little brother in that respect. I, I don't think it sets well with them. I think he's been trying to find ways that the ACC can become more relevant in that regard. Um, and again, that might be better overall for the ACC, but not for each individual member. Um, I, I just don't think it's a a good idea. We're, we're not even sure that Clemson's going to return to that lofty status that they've enjoyed the past, what, five, six, seven years or more, yeah, yeah. where they're right there with Ohio State and Alabama. I mean, they they, they weren't at Clemson last year. Uh, they've since lost their offensive and defensive coordinators. I mean, you never know how that's going to work out. Um, who knows? Uh, Clemson may not be Clemson uh, again. They may be really good, but they may not be one of the top four or five programs in the country like they have been. We'll have to wait and see. The jury's out. I, I'm, I'm a little skeptical. Um, and if they're not, who in the heck from the ACC is going to be? Florida State and Miami, you know, Florida State did for a while, but it's been years since Florida State's been relevant. Miami, we brought them into the ACC in what 2004, thinking, yeah, you know, they were coming just off. They they'd won a championship. They they lost a championship game the next year, you know, uh, under Larry Coker, uh, and <laughs> they've only played in one ACC championship game since they joined the conference. So. You got Florida State, which historically has been great, not Miami, historically great, but deep historically great, not. Who else is there? I mean, Carolina aspires to it, but they've never, you know, they, they've not been a they've not been a player on the national scene. Tech, Virginia Tech, was for a while, but they're a decade past uh, that, you know, having been the case for them. So, yeah, I I don't think that the problem with ACC football was the scheduling. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't either. And, uh, you know, I think 
some of the maybe some of the national people are starting to lose a little faith in Mac Brown at Carolina because uh, I haven't looked at all the preseason magazines, but I write for Lindy's, and I noticed uh, in their uh, preseason magazine they actually have Virginia picked second in the Coastal behind Miami, North Carolina in fourth behind Pittsburgh. Interesting. Uh, you would think that North Carolina would have been the pick of the litter. But I think, again, they've had good recruiting classes the last two years. But I, I think maybe some of the national media are starting to lose faith in the fact that Mac Brown can get it done there. Uh, they have uh, faded the last two years. And uh, uh, Mario Cristobal at Miami is an intriguing hire. I think he has the potential to turn things around there, but you still got to do it. And this is first year. We'll see how that goes. Miami's recruited great dating back to Al Golden. And when he took over, I think he, he may have been the one that took over for Larry Coker. No, he actually took over for Randy Shannon. Um, but Al Golden recruited great. And then Mark Richt had one season with Al Golden's guys and won 10 games. Um, Manny D, I mean, you look at the, you look at the rivals and 24 seven recruiting rankings, man, you know, Miami's always like top 10 or top 15 in the country nationally in recruiting. And they're, they're, they're pretty much a 500 team the last 15 years. So yeah, it's, and I think, unfortunately, maybe that's why we're looking at Mac the same way saying, Hey, you, you're, you've got these great recruiting classes, but you're six and six or seven and seven every year. I mean, you know, you got to win some football games here. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I, I I have nothing against the the scheduling the the three five five and the everybody's going to get to play everybody uh, twice within a four year span. So um, I didn't think that was a huge problem, but um, some people have called it brilliant. I don't, I just don't agree with that. So we talked a lot of football because football's coming up. Uh, start of football practice. I mean, hell, we're only like three weeks away from going to the ACC football kickoff, so that's great. Uh, practice starts not long after that. But there's been a lot of basketball news. And, and Jerry, I've got to ask you, the first one I want to ask you about is this Blake Buchanan kid. He's down to UVA and Gonzaga. Uh, how realistic is it that UVA, I mean, they're in the final two, but how, how close are we to maybe getting this, this uh, top big man? Yeah, it's interesting because he's from Idaho. Yeah. So he's much closer to Gonzaga and probably more familiar with with their program. Uh, he's a 6'10 guy who's kind of the stretch four that Tony Bennett likes, but he can play inside as well. So um, he, he's been a – he was a guy that was pretty well sought after during this spring-summer uh, AAU or whatever circuit it is they're playing now, ECBYL or whatever. I don't know. It's, there's too many changes to keep <laughs> up with. But, um, uh, you know, he he was uh, scouted by Virginia for the past year, and they finally um, got around to invi- uh, offering him a scholarship and he was so excited by that, he visited the very next week. So apparently he must have uh, been excited, and, and he, he said he liked everything he saw about the program. He enjoyed the coaches and the players and um, the facilities, the school. Uh, it's been hard to get a read on him, whether he's going to be a Gonzaga guy uh, or, or a UVA guy. There's not a lot in his history that gives us hints into which way he may be leaning. But I would think that he's probably going to decide sometime within the next few weeks. Okay. Well, we'll be looking to jerryratcliffe.com for that news. Hey, here's, here's an indication. And we, we, we talked a lot this, this past winter and early spring about a recruit named London Johnson, a point guard recruit from Georgia. Clearly Virginia has moved on. Uh, uh, Tony Bennett's among the guys offering a, uh, a top point guard recruit, El Marco Jackson, who's gotten some offers from a lot of big schools. Uh, what do you know about El Marco Jackson? Yeah, you know, I, I had not heard hardly anything about him until we found out that he was offered. And I looked up uh, some video of this guy, and I was blown away. Uh, he's quick. He's fast. 
Uh, he's a good ball handler. People are trying to label label him as a combination guard, but he insists, no, I'm a point guard. Uh, he comes from a, a good uh, lineage of athletes. His father was a running back at Temple. His uncle played football at Michigan. Uh, he's from St. Augustine Prep uh, in uh, New Jersey, although I think he is transferring to South Kent School in Connecticut for this season. Uh, he's 6'3". Uh, he's physical. And uh, what impressed me more than anything was this guy can shoot from all over the place. He, he can drive. He looks like a three-level scorer. He's got an effortless shooting style. And, and uh, it looks like a really high percentage. I know it was a highlight tape, but he was making from everywhere. Um, he has 18 offers as we speak. Now, I'm sure he'll probably get more. Uh, he's a three-star, uh, four-star by 247. And uh, he's been offered not only by Virginia, but by Wisconsin, Michigan, Notre Dame, Tennessee, Miami, Minnesota, Seton Hall, Maryland, Pitt, Syracuse, St. John's, Georgetown, VCU, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Kansas State, Penn State, uh, Georgetown, I don't know if I mentioned them, Ole Miss. Uh, so he's, he's become one of the most popular recruits in the month of June that we've seen. His, his stock is rising quickly. Um, he said he wants to trim his list in late summer and commit in the fall, which is not a surprise. He has planned visits to Maryland, VCU, Miami, and Syracuse. Um, we haven't heard yet as to whether he plans to visit Virginia, but I, I would hope that they would get a visit from this guy because from what I've seen, uh, he, he's uh, one of the purest shooters they would, have, they would have had at point guard in this program in the Tony Bennett era should they be fortunate enough to land this kid. Uh, I was I was very impressed with that. Another sharpshooter. What's the latest on Jamie Kaiser, 6'6", 200-pounder, uh, who was going to announce, I guess, at the end of the month, but maybe he's pushed things back a little bit. Yeah, it was kind of funny how that went. Uh, he was one of the – he's been one of the biggest stock risers in the country as well this summer. Um I think everybody was a little surprised that he decided uh, suddenly to move his recruitment uh, or his uh, commitment announcement back. And I think that's because some new schools have begun to enter the picture. I know UCLA has come in. I know Stanford has come in, um, perhaps some others, but I know those two for sure. Um, He's legit. I mean, he's um, 6'6", 200, uh, wing from Bishop Ireton here in the state. Virginia hasn't gotten many guys from within the state in recent years. They've gone to Duke or somewhere else. Um, formerly played at Lake Braddock in uh, Burke. And uh, he had offers from uh, – Wisconsin, Georgetown, Maryland, Stanford, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Pitt, VCU, Davidson, and TCU, along with Virginia prior to the new schools coming in. He's also a three-level scorer. Uh, he's a sniper from three-point range uh, with a very quick release. Um, I know that uh, – when Virginia and Tony Bennett and all the coaching staff had a three-hour Zoom with them back in early May uh, where they offered. I mean, he was uh, he was very, very interested in Virginia at that point. So uh, don't know exactly where his status is right now, but uh, certainly a guy they would like to have in the fold. One more bit of recruiting news, and this is a class of 2024 guy, a big player from up in D.C., Caleb Williams, 6'7", uh, forward there. Um, he made an unofficial visit a couple weeks ago, so um, it just this d demonstrates a little bit off the topic a little bit. 
how hard coaches have to work. You all, all, all you do is think they coach their players and they coach during the season. Tony and Jason and Kyle Getter and the whole staff, they're all over the place when you're not watching. They're out there watching guys and trying to make these contacts. But what do you know about Kayla Williams in, in, in class 2024 recruit? Actually, it's Woodson, I believe. But uh, I, I may be wrong on that. I don't have my notes in front of me on him. Or maybe I do. Um, yeah, uh, well, actually, it is Williams. Somebody else uh, heading down is Woodson. But or maybe I had it wrong. I'm, I'm not sure. I have to investigate that. But he, <laughs> he's uh, he came out today and said he's going to be announcing his commitment Thursday. Okay. <laughs> at six o'clock, which uh, caught everybody off guard. Um, I do have my notes on him. He's a six seven. Uh, kid 215 uh he's been offered he hasn't been rated yet because i guess it's it's early which makes this makes you wonder why he's going to commit so early but uh he's been offered by maryland virginia tech penn state ole miss and vcu he's from uh plays at sidwell friends in dc and uh He's a, like you said, he's a class of 2024. A lot of people uh, haven't had a chance to get a good look at him yet, but uh, I don't know if this means um, he's supposedly a priority target of Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Wake Forest. I'm sure Maryland is not going <laughs> to bow out of that fight easily. They, I know they've been all over him lately. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I think everybody's going to be – uh, anxious to find out what he says on Thursday. It's a 6 p.m. commitment uh, announcement. And uh, I don't think he's going to back away from, from that date. I don't think he's going to move it back. I, I don't know if this is good news or bad news for Virginia. It's too too early to try to decipher that. And last little bit of basketball news. This is just scheduling. Virginia gets its opponent in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Yeah, they're going to be playing the Wolverines. Um, I think they've only played Michigan once in this challenge, and that was here several years ago during the Tony Bennett era. Virginia won that game. Um, it's a fairly low-scoring game, if I recall. And, and the one thing I do remember uh, after that game, from one of the Michigan players whose son, I think, whose uh, father played the NBA, and I can't remember who it was now. Uh, I don't know if it was Hardaway or somebody else. But anyway, uh, I remember that uh, after that game, the quote we got from the kid was, damn, is that all Virginia does is spend their whole practice, uh, practicing defense? <laughs> so, uh I, obviously none of those guys are still around, but uh, Virginia made quite an impression on that Wolverine team. Uh, I don't think Virginia, in my memory, has ever played at Michigan before. So uh, that'll be a nice trip for the Virginia players who already have some nice trips lined up to Italy and the tournament in Las Vegas. But another uh, early season heavyweight to add to those teams on the uh, – agenda out in Las Vegas. I know Baylor and Illinois, UCLA, I think, are the other three. So a lot of uh, heavyweights in November for uh, this Virginia squad who's expected to be pretty darn good. Yeah, you schedule uh, you schedule according to what you think your team can do. And, and Tony, uh, obviously the ACC Big Ten Challenge is, is handed to you, but going out to Vegas – uh, taking you know taking on those challenges there you get at least two games against you know two really good teams no matter what happens there uh, yeah uh, Tony Tony obviously thinks his team is ready for those early season challenges and he's looking forward to seeing how they can grow from there and get ready for the ACC play so I know this year this past season the the schedule in November December a little weaker and then they lost a couple of those games that probably was a big thorn in their side when they were looking at their NCAA tournament resume schedule will not be an issue from an NCAA tournament selection committee perspective coming into uh, March Madness next year. Yeah, nobody will question this strength of schedule, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jerry, as we're wrapping up here, what else can we look for on Jerry Rat uh, jerryratcliffe.com? 
Well, we'll be keeping up with uh, all the recruiting news. Uh, I expect there will probably be a few more commitments in football over the next uh, week or two as we head into July. Um, also, uh, keep your eye out for basketball recruiting news uh, for some official visits, some official offers, and some official commitments, obviously, starting Thursday. So um, we'll be having plenty of that and uh, some other stuff we're working on to uh, some special memories, some special events that I'll be looking back throughout the history of uh, UVA athletics that will bring back some, some warm memories for a lot of the Wahoos out there, plus any other news that happens to break. I know we always worry uh, every spring as baseball and lacrosse are winding down, what are we going to write about until football starts? And, and we never seem to remember that there's always news, especially recruiting news. There's always news in the summertime. So we're, we, we barely get to rest before the next sports year starts. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, hopefully we'll be having some more uh, podcasts. We trying to line up some very exciting guests over the next several weeks. Uh, like you said, heading up to the ACC kickoff when everything will start popping again. If you're not already a subscriber, uh, you can subscribe to us, uh, Jerry Ratcliffe Show, on iTunes, Spotify, other of your favorite apps, whatever you use to download uh, uh, podcasts, and it'll just come straight to your phone. And that makes it easy. We want you to go to the website and look for things, but we also make it easy for you as well. So you can you can subscribe to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show in lots and lots of places and make it easy for you to do so. And also, don't again, for don't forget to go to jerryratcliffe.com for the latest. Jerry, thanks for your time. And, and if, if you have if you have any friends uh, out there, I've run into so many people. Uh, and in fact, one at your birthday party last week, Chris, he said they don't do podcasts because they don't know how to do them. Yeah. Uh, it's simple. All you got to do is go to Chris's website or my website, look up the podcast, click on it. There'll be a play button there. Just click on and enjoy. That's all you got to do. It's That's simple. the easiest way. That's right. You can, and you can just do that on your phone. If, if, you're, if, if you're on your phone, you can just go to jerryratcliffe.com on your mobile phone. Click, click, find the podcast link because we, you know, we, we'll put this in a story and, and you can you can then li listen to it right that way. So even if you don't have a podcast app, yeah, you can just listen to from, straight from the website. So there's no excuse, basically. You, you have so many ways to do it. It's just as easy as turning on the radio. Exactly. It's in fact, it's easier because you don't have to, you, you got your phone with you. This In this day and age, we, we can't live without our phones. <laughs> it's gotcha. attached to your hip more than your hip is. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's so many ways to listen to us. It's the next best thing to just sitting in a, at a, in a room with us, having a drink or two and talking UVA sports. That's the next best thing, especially for us. Cause we don't get to have the drink with you, but other than that, it's okay. Um, <laughs> Well, Jerry, thanks for your time. For our listeners out there, thank you for your time. If you have any questions, go to, go to the website and, and send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Thanks again. Thanks again. Have a great day.